0: you're listening to the daily missioner podcast with benedict so this is really a very significant day because we're finishing the tractate of bikurim and we're finishing the tractate the order of seeds so tomorrow we'll begin a new we'll begin shabbat and we'll begin the order of uh, moed of, of festivals and I thought it would be useful just just to take a step back and see where we got to in terms of the track date, in terms of the track date of the Karim. Although, of course, stepping all the way back, stepping all the way back into the order, we started, or we didn't start together, but the order begins at Barachot. So we've begun with Barachot, and then we've gone through Barachot, our blessings of things we enjoy, and then we've gone through all the offerings of these things that we enjoy so i guess we can see that's connected and then we finishing with the first so we've begun with brachot and we're finishing with first fruits and in this tractate the first chapter looked at what kind of people need to bring first fruits okay you can see we're close to brachot what kind of products are liable we learned about boundary cases and roots to the land Roots are really important In the second chapter, we morphed into the comparisons between Bikurim and other kinds of offerings. And then comparisons between different kinds of trees and then animals. Before in the third chapter, getting into the detail of how we bring Bikurim, how it works, status of Bikurim and more connections to the land. And then the fourth chapter goes back into comparisons between obligations of people who are male and female and indeterminate. And we said yesterday that this last chapter is really copied from the second chapter of the Tosefta. And actually doesn't appear in um, it doesn't appear in major manuscripts. I mean we are studying it actually because it's on the daily cycle, but it doesn't appear in the Kaufman manuscript, which is our general manuscript. The Rambam doesn't comment on it. It's not in the Jerusalem Talmud. It's 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 a late edition. Let's jump back into the, the Mishnah. It, it follows the same pattern, by the way, as the Mishnah on the koi. Remember, the koi is the animal that is neither domestic or, or wild, nor wild. And the Mishnah then talks about ways in which it's like a domestic animal, ways it's like a wild animal, ways it's like both, and ways it's like neither. And we're going to follow exactly the same pattern. In the Tosefta, actually, these, the, these Mishnah appear in order the the hermaphrodite right after the koi so yesterday we dealt with um, why the um, hermaphrodite is like uh, like men and why he's like or she's like women and today we're going to ask the question ke sad ve lanashim how is the hermaphrodite like men and women and it's very interesting that the Mishnah I think of this Mishnah as very modern and I I know it's not modern and I know it's not connected with today's notions of gender fluidity but in some ways it's very modern and it starts by articulating what we might think of as basic human uh, rights or principles. Someone who strikes him or curses him is liable just as in the case of men or women. You have to treat a hermaphrodite just as... With the same respect you treat a man or a woman someone who unwittingly kills him goes into exile is in and if on purpose receives a death penalty just like in the case of men or women his mother his mother must bring an offering just as in the case of men or women this is after his birth. And he can inherit just as in the case of men or women. So I guess, of course, in biblical law, men inherit first. But the hermaphrodite, but women do inherit if there are no men. So the hermaphrodite will inherit if there isn't a man to take precedence over him. And then this this weird puzzle that we saw in the discussion about the koi um remember that in those case the koi the mishnah says look what if someone says or uh, swears i'll be a a nazir if this animal is neither wild nor domesticated and the the mishnah comes back and says exactly the same thing if someone says i'll be a nazir if this is a man and a woman the Bartanura is here by the way translates and a woman as or a woman a man or a woman and that makes more sense and the mishnah of the koi that we looked at actually had man or woman i think in the kaufman manuscript anyway someone says here i'm going to be a nazir if this is a man and a woman or a man or a woman hareza nazir he is a nazir and Generally, the halacha is that we treat these vows strictly. So in an, indeterm- in an indeterminate case, like someone who has both male and female organs, if someone makes that vow, we are going to interpret it strictly. And we'll see the next Mishnah that if he makes exactly the opposite vow, we still call him a Azir. That's the fourth Mishnah. And then we ask, in what way is he different is he not similar um, to is he different from both men and women and uh, apologies for the pointing here I, I had to construct. construct constructed this text more or less from the Cal but I had to type it out and I I can't type out with um, vowel points one doesn't um, um you you there's no li there's no liability on his um uncleanness and this refers actually to to um liability if you enter the temple on after coming into contact with his uncleanness and you don't burn Shruma, for example that comes into contact with him, his uncleanness and that's because all these halachot about uncleanness are if you like um are, are in case of doubt we don't know this un- because we don't know whether he's certainly a man or certainly a woman all issues to do with his uncleanness are unclear so for example you wouldn't just you might if truma is certainly Tame, you'd have to destroy it because you can't give it to a kohen but if it's possibly tummy, that's different we can't actively destroy it so we would wait until it became certainly Tame. What are the other kind of grey areas? Einon nerach, lo kanashim You can't value him like men or women. In, um, at the end of aikra, there's um, some pusukim that uh, allows someone to make a vow to give the value of a person to the Mikdash. And again, this is very contentious today. The estimated value of a man is 50 shekels and of a woman is 30 shekels. We can't value um an androgynous on that basis because we don't know whether he's a man or a woman so the halacha is we don't we can't value him we can't value him like men and we can't value him like women and then we go on ein nim, ein nim l'eved, ivri. we can't sell him as an evad evri anashim anashim, neither like a man nor like a woman a, a, a man if he's over the age of majority, can be sold as a Hebrew slave, typically when he can't repay a debt. I mean, he may be sold or he may sell himself for six years in order to repay his debts. But a woman can't be sold. And kind of reflexively, a, a man is a, a father. Again, this is very shocking today, but a father will learn about this in the Mishnah of Kiddushin. A father's allowed to sell his daughter as a maidservant, as an ama ivriya, when she's below the age of majority. So, this idea of selling someone into slavery, into Hebrew slavery, by the way, applies to men when they're adults and to women before they're adults. But if we don't know whether this person is male or female, then there's no age at which they can certain, there's no age at which these halachot, these halakha really apply to them. If 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 the hermaphrodite is an adult woman, she can't be sold, and if the the hermaphrodite is a, a, a below the age of majority man, then he can't be sold. So that's why the Mishnah says Ein Nimkar uh, uh, Whichever way you work it, you can't do it. You can't sell him as an evidevri. And then a reflection. Of the previous mission of nazir exactly the opposite from the Mishnah above. If someone says I'll be a nazir, if he's neither a man nor a woman, then he becomes a nazir. It seems that making this vow to be a nazir turns you if you basically triggers um, triggers nazirut, it, it it sort of triggers a positive outcome, whether you make it one way or the other with regard to an androgynous, a hermaphrodite. And then Rabbi Yossi concludes, Androgynous, The hermaphrodite is a unique creature. And sages couldn't decide whether he was a man or a woman. But, aval, tum tum ken a tum tum is someone whose whose genetic organs are just not evident they're not visible at all so we have no idea really what his i mean and sometimes by the way they develop late so it may become apparent later in his or her life what the gender is but the tum tum refers to someone whose organs are effectively hidden so we have no idea whether they are male or female unlike a hermaphrodite who actually has both male and female organs and so the Mishnah continues. So the, the the hermaphrodite with male and female organs is a unique creature. But a tumtum, Rabbi Yosi says, aval tumtum ken. It's not like that. shehu ish, shehu isha. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's a man. And sometimes it's a woman. And that's the end of the Mishnah of Bikurim. And so we can say the Hadran. Hadran alach Masachet Bikurim v'hadrach alam. We will return to you, Tractate Bikurim, and you will return to us. Da'tan alach Masachet Bikurim v'da'tach alam. Our mind is on you, Tractate Bikurim, and your mind is on us. We will not lo nit neshe minach Masachet Bikurim. We will not forget you, Tractate Bikurim. And you will not forget us. Not in this world and not in the next world. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.